Hello and welcome to Thank You Come Again. This is an e-commerce podcast sponsored by Wonderment, where we dive into the actual strategies that leading D2C brands are using to not only make their customers come back and buy again, but have the best possible customer experiences. I'm Blake and Burl. I started my career as a retention marketer, and now I'm focused on being a shepherd of knowledge for you and others on all things retention marketing. You won't find any top 10 guru guides here. Instead, I want you to walk away from each episode with battle-tested and actionable insights that's going to help you to move a needle forward and driving repeat business. So make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcast. And without further ado, let's dive into today's episode. Hello, friends, and welcome to another special edition of a Thank You Come Again podcast brought to you by Wonderment. This is episode number two of two, meant to put a bow on what's been an amazing season one of the Taika podcast. I wanted to give you my number one top takeaway in sort of the too long, didn't listen of each episode. Last week, I covered my first eight takeaways from the first eight episodes, and now we're going to cover the final seven in this episode. Over the last four months, I've had the absolute privilege of interviewing some of the most intelligent folks in the direct-to-consumer space on how they're getting their customers to come back and buy again and again. This episode is going to give you an opportunity to hear from the final seven guests and decide whether any of these episodes interest you, and if they do, you can go ahead and listen to the full episode to get more information. Before I dive in, just two quick housekeeping things. Number one, if you haven't left the Taika podcast a review on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you're listening to this, please go ahead and leave us a review. This podcast is brought to you cost-free, and reviews help make sure that we can continue to reach more and more community members. This podcast has been streamed in over 30 countries and counting, which is absolutely insane for me to comprehend, so I really appreciate that. Thank you very much. Um, And also, if you haven't yet shared the show with your friends or any of your colleagues, Uh, that would mean the world to me, whether you do that in a DM, on social, any of that. And if you do put it on social, feel free to tag me. Always love to see that stuff. Number two, season two is dropping very soon. We have an amazing lineup of guests already booked and recorded. I'm recording more and more each week. um, And I cannot wait to share the content that we're putting together. Some of the awesome guests I've already interviewed include folks from uh, legendary CPG brands like Midday Squares and IQ Bar. Uh, we had Adam Turner from Postscript on the other week, uh, Everyman Jack, True Religion Jeans, Casely, and so many more brands to announce later. This season is going to be more ambitious and dig deeper into strategy to help you become a better retention marketer, customer experience professional, or really just a general e-commerce mind. If you want to be a guest on the Techapod, shoot me a message. I love to talk. Uh, you can email me, Blake at Wonderment.com, or find me on social and let's talk. Also, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention a huge shout out to Wonderment for making all of this possible. If you own a D2C business on Shopify, I highly recommend you give us a look to make your CX better. We are the number one platform loved by e-commerce teams, support operations, and marketing teams to deliver the most holistic post-purchase experience imaginable. Wonderment is the retention iOS used by over 1,000 customer-first Shopify brands like Jones Road Beauty, Igloo, The Ridge, Simple Human, Girlfriend Collective, and more. You can get a free trial of Wonderment by visiting us at wonderment.com forward slash demo and let them know that Blake sent you. And now, without further ado, let's dive into the final seven highlights from what's been an amazing season one. Up first is one of my favorite D2C founders, and that is Eric Bandholds, the founder of Beard Brand a bootstrap men's grooming company that has leveraged YouTube and community to grow into a thriving eight-figure D2C business. 
In this episode, Eric and I dove deep into how to grow a brand through content marketing. If you're looking for advice on content, I don't think there's a better D2C founder to learn from than Eric. In this episode, we chatted about a lot of things content, but just a few of the highlights. We talked about how Beardbrand creates loyal beardsmen through content and community, what it even takes to grow a loyal following on YouTube, advice for creating authentic content for your D2C brand, why core values are so important to creating great content, what Beardbrand is investing in in 2023, and a lot more. This was definitely a bucket list interview for me, and uh, I've been following Beardbrand since 2017, so really cool to be able to talk to Eric about this. Uh, it's definitely left a huge impression on me and how I think about D2C content now going forward. Also, Eric, he's a master, masterful storyteller and educator, and I really think you're going to walk away with at least a few nuggets of wisdom on how to prove your content for your D2C brand. With first-time customers, one of the biggest challenges that a lot of merchants face, I think, is nurturing a first-time customer into maybe not a lifelong customer, but really a loyal customer that comes back and buys multiple times. What are some of the touch points, if that's content or you know emails, text, whatever that you're sending? Like, what do you, what goes into creating what you think is a great first customer into maybe a, a more loyal customer for Beard Brand? Yeah, I mean, I think. Uh... A lot of the way we think about things is like, what can Amazon do uh, really well and not focusing on competing in those regards. So Amazon can give you all the selection in the world. They can uh, ship to you super quickly. And uh, I don't know. I think that's about all they got going for them. Um, whereas we can do so much more. We can you know, make our packages go out the door really nice. So there's a beautiful unboxing experience. We can throw in freebies without it really being too much complicated. So we have like a little booklets. Let's see, do I have one in my pocket? Um, we have little booklets that we include. And then uh, uh, the email flows as well, like the education. So we can focus on education. There's one thing I wanted to talk about a little bit earlier around content and it's video and it's email as well is like, I want viewers to think about content, not in regards of like how many emails do I send a week, but in regards to how can I send as many pieces of content as possible? And the answer to that is you need to have content that really brings a lot of value to the customers. You know, like the hustle and morning brew are perfect examples. They're sending out content every single day. And the reason they send it out every day is because it's it's valuable and people enjoy it. But if your content is just like, oh, I got a 10% sale, I got a 10% sale, I got a 10% sale, people are, are not going to have any value in that. So you change your mindset to like, how do I produce content that people are excited to open up on a daily basis uh, or a regular basis? And that is where you start to build that loyalty for your customer. So you have to think about your product and not what your product does, but what your product allows your, your, your customer to, to do. Like, how does it bring value to their life? Like for us, our products help our dudes look good. And then when they look good, they feel good. When they feel good, they become better, you know, uh, partners and fathers and uh, community members and uh, colleagues in their office. And then we can make the world a better place through that self-investment. So we, we don't focus on like the ingredients and, you know, like the containers and the sales and the discounts and the website. What we focus on is that journey of growth. And then when you're focused on a journey of growth, that that's so many things. 
that's no longer just like taking a shower every day. That's, you know, like, how do you communicate to uh, your, your spouse? How do you become a dad and like deal with the, the hardships of, of parenting and, and the challenges that come with that? There's just so many avenues of content you can go when you think beyond what your product does and then and instead think about how your product brings value to customers lives up next is a fellow san diegan a former collegiate athlete and one of the coolest guys that i know in cx it's dan brady the head of cx over at pira vita bracelets dan has built and maintained an exceptionally high performing customer advocate team by investing heavily in the employee experience his approach to employee empowerment and motivation has positioned the Pira Vita customer experience team to be a significant retention asset for the business. In this episode, Dan and I talked a lot about how any e-commerce brand can immediately improve their CX team's performance and in turn create more happy and loyal customers. Some of the highlights that we talked about, including uh, Dan's philosophy to CX, what it means to build a CX team and then maintain high performance, uh, how to empower your employees to do their best work, how Pira Vita approaches things like surprise and delight with each customer, uh, lessons that Dan has learned along the way from serving a 25-person team with an astounding 96% employee retention rate, and a ton more in this episode. Dan's a leader who I think we can all learn from, and I personally would have paid good money for the knowledge I learned during this conversation. Let's talk about building a CX team now and sort of, um, you know, folks listening who maybe are either, you know, already in a team that's built out or maybe even just trying to build out a team for the very first time. Um, so for folks listening who might be struggling to build a high performing customer experience team or, you know, again, I've never done so before. Where do we start? You know, like what are the things that really need to be uh, top of mind as we're kind of thinking about this? Yeah, you know, I think it's really important that, um, you know, when you're either building out a team or hopefully maintaining a good team, I think it's super important that you have employee buy-in. And so one thing that I was proud that I did when I first joined was I kind of worked with the team and the leadership team specifically to figure out like, hey, what do we want our core values to be? And so we, we all, you know, threw out some ideas out there and then we eventually just uh, ended up anonymously voting on hey, like, what do we want our team core values to be? Like, of course you have your company core values, most do, but like, hey, let's take it a step further. Let's have our own department core values. And of course there can be plenty of overlap with maybe your company core values, but something I think that's important to establish a winning culture, not only in CS or CX, but like in anything, you know, um, as a former athlete, um, you know, when you're talking about what kind of culture do you have as like a team, I think it's important that these are not something that's decided by your coach. It's you know decided by the team, right? Because you're the ones who are actually performing whatever needs to be performed. And so um, we had basically voted on our team core values. And I'm really proud of that because it's something that we remind ourselves of every day, you know? And so we have a fun little acronym for our core values. Um, so I like to remind myself it's truthfully, I'm really customer centric. And that stands for the T is for teamwork. The I is for integrity. Truthfully, I'm really. The R is for respect. And then the final two C's are commitment and communication. So our five oh, team core values are teamwork, integrity, respect, communication, and commitment. And we remind ourselves of those, you know, throughout every shift and when times are going, you know, when times are good, when times are hard, it's really important to have those core values that, you know, your team can you know, reflect upon. And, um, you know, again, because these are things that we all agreed upon collectively. This was not something I came in and said, 
hey, here's our core values you have to follow. You know, and I think that's um, part of being an effective leader is making sure that, you know, you're, you're getting buy-in and commitment. And um, that was something that we did to kind of help maintain our good culture was, hey, let's, let's establish some core values that we can really reflect on. All right, this next episode was one of my personal favorites from this season because it was a topic that I truly was skeptical about before we chatted, and that is that customer returns can turn into some of your most loyal customers. Zoe Khan is a CX team lead over at Chomps. They're a wonderment customer and just an awesome brand in general to learn from. Uh, but Zoe and I chatted a lot about this topic, and she really broke down how her and the Chomps team are creating returning customers through their returns. If you're struggling with customer returns or just want to know how to improve the process in general, this one is for you. In this episode, Zoe and I covered a lot of ground, including how to arrive at mutually beneficial outcomes for the customer and the brand through empathy and solutions, how to create strong feedback loops that can minimize future returns, and then also spot any problems in your overall customer journey, why certain verticals like consumer packaged goods, CPG, might not benefit from a return solution, why the industry standard KPIs for CX teams might need a refresh, uh, and then can or should you even bend return policies for certain customers. I think it's time to flip the script on customer returns and view them as an opportunity to engage and really provide a memorable customer experience. So let's listen to Zoe and see what she has to say. I know when you and I started talking over email, uh, it feels like a couple months back now when we were talking about what we could talk about here, you had pitched me this idea of like returns and, and turning them into returning customers. And I absolutely love that idea. Um, and super curious to just kind of understand a little bit more of that now. So can you talk me through like, how do you approach customer returns? And how are you trying to retain customers when they come in during I think what is a pretty uh, make or break opportunity for them to either, you know, love the brand or walk away from the brand, I think. Yeah, it's an interesting concept because we, when someone reaches out to you and they don't like their product, your product, um, and this goes for any brand, it's kind of hard to deal with because you're like, this is, how can you not like it? It's a perfect product. Like you, you, if you like it, like, or if I like it, why don't you like it? And, um, sometimes support reps or, um, people in CX can take it a little bit personal, um, <laughs> and just, almost assume that they've lost that customer already um, because they didn't like the product. But everybody's different and everyone likes different things, especially when you have a product that's um, consumable and has taste. Everybody's taste buds are different. Everyone likes different things. Uh, so it's really just taking, like listening to that customer, reading, like truly reading their email and like figuring out why they didn't like it and taking that feedback uh, and even using that feedback to shape your brand, which we can like dive into more, but sure. uh, using that feedback instead of just being like, like angry with the customer because they didn't like something or like uh, sometimes people are just feel like they're just trying to like returns are people trying to take advantage of the brand, which isn't true 99.9% uh, .9 of the time. But uh, yeah, using just listening to the customer and instead of just shutting it down, really just trying to figure out a, a best solution for them, whether it's exchanging or giving them their money back because they didn't like your product. All right. Our next one is for anyone thinking about customer acquisition. Ad cost, inflation, iOS 14, all have been things that have been touted as wrecking paid acquisition. But I'd actually say slow down. There's a better way to acquire D2C customers, and it's called performance PR. 
Jonathan Snow, COO over at the Snow Agency and a Wonderman Agency partner, delivered an absolute masterclass on why performance PR is actually becoming an answer to declining ad performance. In this episode, Jonathan and I walked through Snow's entire performance PR funnel for Shopify merchants. We covered a ton of ground, including what is performance PR and why it actually is an effective acquisition strategy, eight different angles, that's right, eight different angles that you can apply to virtually any e-commerce brand, how to lower your CPMs and increase click-through rates on your paid ads, why performance PR is arguably helping to acquire more valuable and profitable customers that come back and buy again, and a ton of more e-commerce insights than even just we uh, talked about there. So if you're looking to hear more about what is working in paid media right now, you need to listen to John and I's conversation. Let's listen now to what John and I had to say. What is performance PR in, in broad strokes? Um, and then let's kind of you know dive into it from there. Absolutely. So performance PR is a tactic that we have been using since before we were even an agency. So basically what it is, it's combining what you know today as PR, um, you know, and performance and you merge them together. So as we know, PR, there's a lot of weaknesses. The great thing about PR in general is that you can kind of get your brand message, whatever you story you want to tell into the hands of different media publishers. And then they publish this narrative that you essentially want to get to the hands of the consumers. But the issues with conventional PR is that a lot of it is not trackable, doesn't generate, you know, a high return on investment. And it's kind of that black box of, you know, is this actually even worth spending on? Um, and so what we did, we took all of the positives about PR, but put an acquisition play on it. We essentially launched our own media publisher websites. One of them is the dailypost.co. One of them is smartbrandreviews.com. The other one is glamthoughts.com. So we basically, basically built three different publisher websites that we thought had a certain niche audience that kind of differed in, in certain ways. And what we did for our own brands, and now what we're doing for a lot of our clients, we're publishing advertorials on those publisher websites, and we are then running the actual ads from the publisher's social media pages. And we're actually also running Google ads to the, the publisher articles as well. And the problem with paid media today has been ad fatigue, and it's been higher CPM, so the ad costs are rising. Um, and this actually combats both of those things. So the great thing about performance PR and running ads through the publisher's social media page, imagine you're seeing, you know, you're on your Facebook timeline and you're just scrolling through and you see an ad from the Daily Post. You probably might not know that's an ad. You think it's content that's native to the platform. So you're going to be a little more inclined to stop, see what that article is about, especially when the article is either, you know, there's, we have many different formats for the articles that we put on the performance PR sites. Two of the best ones are focusing on the problem or a pain point that your brand could solve. So let's just take a gut health brand, for example, and I'll show an example shortly, but um, say the pain point is bloating or brain fog or indigestion kind of symptoms of, of an issue that you have. And you have, and you see an article on your timeline. I was dealing with bloating, brain fog, and fatigue for you know years and years until I discovered this one solution. If you happen to be one of the thirty to forty percent of the population that deals or resonates with that problem, you've stopped because you 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 identify that problem, and you're going to click through. You're going to engage with it. You're going to share that to all of your friends that also deal with similar problems as you or have similar interests. 
and um, the engagement rates go way up, the click-through rates get go way up. And when Facebook sees that the engagement rates are high, the click-through rates are high, they will actually reward you with lower CPMs. So the issue with high ad costs actually kind of goes away. This is one of the solutions by gamifying the algorithm to give you lower CPMs and also to give you higher click-through rates. So when you have higher click-through rates and lower cost for the traffic, your cost per click goes way down. And now that's how you unlock new performance. All right. So this next episode is all about email and SMS retention, or more specifically, what email and SMS flows are the most important for e-commerce customer retention. Alex McEachern from Repeat is an absolute mastermind when it comes to thinking about how to approach D2C retention. And so I had him on the pod to discuss what are the top three retention flows that everyone should have set up inside of their Klaviyo accounts, their attentive accounts, PostScript, et cetera. Those three flows kind of at a high level are transactional flows, your educational flows, and then your replenishment flows. Getting these three flows right will unlock a more natural product adoption and often reduce the time to seeing value, meaning that they have a higher likelihood of repurchasing naturally, or that even just when you ask them to purchase again, that your replenishment reminders land effectively. This is really, really true, especially for verticals like consumer packaged goods or just replenishable brands, where you might not be able to see instant value of the product on day one. Think about skincare, hydration tablets, supplements, etc. While retention cannot fully be automated, Alex and I discuss how these three flows are certainly the lowest hanging fruit for making sure that your customers do come back and buy again. Let's listen now to what Alex and I have to say about these three core critical flows. Yeah, I think like it really, on the post-purchase side of things, I think you've got three base flows that like everyone should be looking at. That is your, replen your replenishment flow, which we were just mm -hmm. talking about, your right. education flow, which you were just talking about there. Um, there's a fantastic, there's a, a men's hair care line called bloom on. I encourage everyone to just go like buy something from them and look at what they send you from an email perspective, because it's exactly that, like educational entertaining. It's not about like, Hey, just use the product. It's here's hairstyles that you might like. Here's hair care tips. Like here's how that like, it's just seamlessly integrating the product and like additional product discovery into those emails. That doesn't feel like they're trying to upsell me or cross sell me anything. It's just like, they're being super helpful with all this content and the products just like seamlessly integrated into that. And then I think the third one's just like the transactional piece of this, right? Like, Hey, orders on its way, order shipped, like everything to let me know, like, Hey, I made this purchase. D2C is unique in the sense that like the high of making the purchase and actually receiving the product, there's a lag. And like yeah. for something like a hydration tablet or like, let's say, um, like supplements, like I'm going or protein powder, I'm going to the gym. I buy it. I'm on a high. I have to wait. I get the protein powder and now I need to use the protein powder for 60 days before I see results. That's mm -hmm. a lot of time to just Huge say, of time. Hey, figure like, figure it out. Like these three lines of post-purchase communication will help bridge that gap from an original purchase to I'm actually seeing value from what I bought. And like, especially for CPG and replenishables, very rarely is the value I'm getting like when it first shows up at my door, unless it's like fizz in a can. <laughs> All right. Up next is some very solid advice that goes back to retention basics, but is so important to reiterate. And that is just to express genuine gratitude for your customer's business. 
I had Tyler Soli Sullivan, the founder of Bomb Tech Golf, on the show to talk about how he's been able to create a loyal community of over 600,000 Bomb Tech golfers by just following four basic post-purchase touch points. That includes thank you voicemails, thank you videos, thank you cards, and a Facebook group. Soli credits these four simple touch points to being the difference maker between BombTech customers simply just liking their products and truly becoming loyal customers that come back to buy again and share the brand with their friend. This is some super low-hanging fruit, and I really recommend that anyone thinking about how to up their post-purchase game listens to Tyler and learns how he's been able to do that at BombTech. Let's listen to Tyler. Um, but that for us, I just had enough confidence in the product and our price points competitive enough that you know, we could do it. And the return rate, luckily, has always been really low. And I think it's because the product's good. We ship fast and we take care of customers. So I think we probably have a lot less returns than a normal. We normally would if we didn't do all the post-purchase things to wow them. So like we do like thank you voicemails. We do handwritten thank you cards. Then we have the Facebook group. And then we do a thank you video. So it's like four four points that indoctrinate them. And it's, it's so they can connect and it's like, we want them to do it and we really do thank them. And I think that's maybe a missing part of like, if I started this brand to make money, you may not really care, but I was just a golfer starting a golf brand. So guess what? I really cared. So like, I really wanted to thank them. And I think maybe a lot of times if it's money driven and you're just a smart entrepreneur and you see e-commerce as a, a revenue op you know, or, or make income, maybe you do that. But like, for me, I was like, I just want to thank these guys, you know? So like I did a lot of stuff and, and the guys now will still do the thank you videos um, with Bongiorno, which is really cool. And it's like, we can't send everyone one, but if we spend an hour a day or half hour of just sending these videos, it's just extra effort, you know? And it's just like those little, little pieces of extra effort will probably make that experience of the product like, let's say he hits it the same without that versus those things. He may not return it because he was just wowed and loves the brand and now thinks differently when he swings it. Whereas if he just totally. bought it on online, had no relationship, you know, maybe that would change because golf is so mental too, which is always the hardest part. Because I know the product can stand up and, and it's all awesome products, but it's so mental. So I think doing these things and just truly thanking them makes it almost more than just the product, which is like, and the day it's, it's, I wouldn't say they're commodities, but it makes us unique because we're just putting in a little more effort. And it's really, it's not that hard to put in the effort. I think you just have to have a founder or someone at the core that really does thank them. And if they, if they don't, maybe they shouldn't be in business. A great website can be one of the ultimate customer retention strategies in D2C e-commerce. A lot of focus is around tech-enabled retention with tools like email, SMS, subscription programs, etc as being the primary driver of getting people to come back and buy again. But one of the most foundational experiences is a great website experience. I had Will Lawrenson on the show and he laid out an incredibly compelling argument for why on-site conversion rate optimization or CRO is one of the most crucial places to start with any customer retention strategy. We also, in this episode, covered a lot of ground on CRO, but some of the highlights include Will's big three framework for great CRO, why tools and apps will never replace a great website, how CRO can alleviate buyer's remorse, help to mitigate returns and make sure customers come back and buy again. We actually walked through some real examples too of what great looks like and a ton more. This one is a must listen for anyone thinking about how to make their e-commerce website that much better. 
Let's listen to Will and see what he's got to say. How can good CRO really positively impact repeat purchase behavior? Yeah, cool. So I suppose there's there's two parts to it. There's the the kind of traditional CRO aspect, you know, what what everyone views CRO as, which is that on-site experience, getting that conversion, right? So obviously there might be a bit of, well, how does CRO affect retention if it's all around, you know, once people are on the site, right? But the key thing is we need to convert people for the right reason, right? We need to make sure they are absolutely convinced that this is the right product for them. It's the right business to buy from try and reduce as much anxiety as possible with that purchase so that they're not immediately thinking, you know, once they hit that, that purchase button, complete purchase, they're not thinking, was that the right decision? Is this really going to help? Or have I just wasted some money, you know, better check that returns policy to see, to, you know, to make sure I can send it back if it doesn't work or I don't like it. We're just trying to avoid as much of that as possible. And obviously if you get that right, and you absolutely, you've convinced someone it's going, this product is going to help them. Obviously, then we're relying on the product doing its job. But assuming your product is good as well, that person's going to be thinking, cool, I love this product. I used it because I was convinced it was right for me. That should then lead to them coming back, right? In theory, that should be enough to say, you know, this person's convinced with the product. They've now got the product. They've used it. They've liked it they should just come back and buy again. So that's kind of the, the, the traditional CRO side. That's the, you know, dealing with anxiety, uh, you know, answering all the questions and concerns on a website and then motivating them to say, look, this is how your life is going to be better off once you get this product in your hand. So if you can do all that right, you get the purchase. What tends to go wrong is where, and we can go into kind of mistakes and things a bit more later. What I see go wrong is where brands focus on apps and little hacks and these little things which they don't really do a lot of them don't do anything to really um touch on the anxiety piece and the motivation piece mm -hmm. they're literally there to just kind of push people through the journey and and get them to make that purchase and then a lot of the time it's you know it might be social proof um some of these social proof widgets which say oh seven people have purchased this in the last few days you might see a tiny little nudge on conversion with that, but un unless you're selling tickets or something that is actually limited, it's it's not really going to do much for you. Um, or they'll have, uh, you know, upsell widgets and things, which can be good if you set them up correctly, but they can also have a negative impact. But people don't test them. They set them up and then they see in the report that this app has driven, you know, $10,000 in revenue this month. And they go, cool, okay, that's great. What they don't look at is how many of those customers came back and did this actually affect the conversion rate negatively? So did you lose $20,000 in revenue through lost conversions because of this app? You know, a great example is um, post-purchase apps. I've had some great experiences with them, with them where they've worked really well. I've also had some experiences where, yeah, you look at the dashboard and you're seeing a great take rate, great revenue. And then customer services comes along and goes, what is this? Like, what's going on? We, we're getting so many people saying they don't want this product. They've ordered it by mistake. Didn't know what they were doing, whatever, and canceling the orders. But that doesn't feed it feedback into the dashboard. So, yeah, like I said, there's, there's some apps and things out there which, you know, people just stick on the website, hope they work. But it's, it's not really getting to the core problem. 
and the you know the the real issues that we need to deal with to try and um, convince someone to make the purchase. All right, my friends. Well, there you have it. That is my final seven takeaways from what's been a truly awesome season one of the Tyco Podcast. I'll be back very soon with season two. Our first episode dropping is an absolute awesome episode with Adam Turner, CEO at Postscript. We discuss all things post-purchase SMS, how to optimize an SMS program, some of the other low-hanging fruits for SMS, including transactional SMS, other customer experience touch points, and also even chat about the upcoming iOS inbox changes and what that means for you and how you should prepare for that. If you haven't done so yet, please subscribe to the Tech of Podcast and leave us a review on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you're listening to this, as it goes a long way in helping this podcast to continue to reach more of a D2C community. Big shout out to Wonderment, as always, for making this happen, and I will see you all very, very soon, my friends.